I did a pretty good crash on a job where like I had to fly it from a boat, like a sailboat. And so like I would launch it from my hand and then um, I went to launch it. And like, as soon as it went out, the uh, like left my hand, it was like, I could feel the whole boat just like sort of like move sideways. And it just went straight into like the middle wires and like it was really lucky though it like hit the wire and just sort of like spun around it and then smashed down into the boat not into the water so like I, it was good um but yeah that, that like completely broke the gimbal and stuff so that was a good one <laughs> this is Aotearoa Adventures with your host Abigail Hanna the podcast for everything you need to know to travel New Zealand I talk to photographers, van lifers, moms, students, and everyday Kiwis to hear their inspiring stories from past adventures and to share helpful tips and tricks for your travels. Whether you're visiting Aotearoa for the first time and live on the road, or you work a nine to five and have lived in New Zealand your whole life, you're guaranteed to learn something to plan your next getaway and get a new excitement to explore more of this beautiful country I call home. So grab your hiking boots, hop in the car, and turn up the volume. If you've ever cooked a meal from scratch in the bush, you know how challenging it is. Backcountry Cuisine have solved this problem with freeze-dried meals that are lightweight, delicious, nutritious, and so easy to prepare. With breakfast, lunch, dinner, and dessert options, as well as vegetarian, vegan-friendly, and gluten-free meals, they have something for every adventurer. Backcountry Cuisine are my go-to for yummy meals on the trail, and I also keep a stash in the van, just in case. For quick and easy meals for all your outdoor adventures, use the code ABIGAIL for free shipping off your next order. That's A-B-I-G-A-I-L for free shipping off your next Backcountry Cuisine delivery. Head to the link in the description to find out more. Kia ora, welcome to the podcast. I am stoked to be sitting down with Petra today. Why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, hey, I'm Petra Larry, and um, I'm a drone photographer. I do a little bit of video, but I prefer photos. Yeah, and basically just fly drones. I've been doing it for like maybe seven years now, eight years. Yeah, that's awesome. I was just saying to you before we hit record, it's I've followed your journey for about the last sort of five years or so, and every single image just blows me away it's you've got such an eye for it and if anyone else sees your work they'll know exactly what I'm talking about so tell me a bit about how this journey started and how you got into drone photography in the first place yeah so basically I like originally got into photos with like a camera like a normal camera handheld camera and then I was really into sort of like the climbing high things and you know all that sort of urbics I guess you call it and style of photography and then uh i'd done that for a couple of years just for fun and um a friend of mine had a drone and he gave me a turn on it but it was like as soon as i had a turn on it, i was just like i need to get one of these this is the coolest thing ever it's like the combination of playing video games and photography and you can just go as high as you want there's no boundaries to like where you can be in terms of like the perspective that you want to catch yeah i went and bought one that day and then i basically just put down my camera and like never really picked it up again and just yeah I was, I was just hooked yeah that's incredible that's such a cool story just right from the get-go being absolutely hooked on that yeah it was um pretty amazing I think like at that time especially uh, they were quite new to sort of like were well, they like consumer they they weren't like a very popular thing mm. and so it was like seeing all these locations and stuff from that perspective was so like interesting and so new that like it's just like kind of like magnetic to be able to like see it and you're like wow like these things that are kind of just really boring and 
not really anything when you're looking at them from the ground. They look so abstract and like arty for robots. Yeah. No, that's awesome. You mentioned about sort of when you're when you're flying a drone, when you're up in the air and everything just looks a bit different. It's that totally new perspective. And I feel like with drone photography, composition is everything. Do you sort of agree with that? And how much how much of your composition is planned and how much of it is just sort of popping the drone up and being like, whoa, that looks cool. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I I definitely um yeah, I definitely agree with you. I think it just in general photography is like composition is so important it's kind of what makes something you know to be real basic but it makes it like a good a good image or not as so composition a little bit of everything else but I think with drone photography especially it's like really easy just to put the drone up in the air and like just take you for photos just because it's just the novelty of it but I'm always kind of not even really like planning before I fly but like I think once I am looking at something I'm kind of just sort of even without thinking about it, but I, I'm like looking for things that I, I feel like are balanced and like they're pleasing like to the eye, you know, um, it, and sometimes it's real basic things, but I have a real um, obsession, I guess, of, of things being either straight, like, you know, if you're looking at something, I think more so with top-down images that sometimes with things like basketball courts or with his lines, if something's like crooked, it bugs me so much, like when it should be straight. That's sort of that symmetry to things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Uh, for, so yeah, I'm definitely like it's in my mind, but it's also something that just comes kind of like natural just from doing it for so long. Mm, that's really cool. Your drone photography has taken you to some pretty cool places travel-wise. This might be a bit of a chicken and egg question, but did the drone photography come first or did your sort of travels come first and how did those sort of, I suppose, come together? I actually got, I originally, like what I was saying, I was into photography, photography. So um, every time I'd go overseas, if I could, I'd try and do like a helicopter flight and that was pretty uh, having a drone. Because I just have always loved the look of things from above and the idea of flying. So <laughs> that's a combination of the two. And then, yeah, so it's actually, I guess the traveling from and looking at things from the sky was like pre-drone for me. Mm, that's really cool. And this is something I ask all my guests, but how, how did travel first start for you? Did you travel much as a family? Did you go around New Zealand or internationally as you were growing up? And how did that sort of love begin? I wouldn't say I traveled heaps as a as a kid. Like um, my mum's family is from Australia, so I'd go over there every couple of years. But and like you know, like a few little trips with with my parents when I was younger. But um, it was more I think when I got a bit older and I just wanted to go places um like with my friends and more than family wise. A lot of my trips have been um, with one of my friends, Marie, who's a photographer as well. So like a lot, we would base them specifically like because we wanted to go somewhere to take photos. I think the first one that we did together was um, to Hong Kong. And that was when we were really into like the rooftoping and stuff because we really wanted to go there. It was like the dream place to be, to go like see all these, be up on top of all those high buildings. Yeah, that sounds so cool. Let's bring it back to New Zealand. What are some of your favorite places here that you have shot? One of my like all-time favorite places is Te Paki Sand Dunes, mm, which is uh, yeah. up in like top of Northland. I think yeah, that, yeah. that was amazing. Um, that was just like 
kind of otherworldly when you're in the midst of it you um, feel like you can yeah. be in this harrow. Tupac is so beautiful yeah, yeah. I feel like it's one of those places that a lot of people don't realize exists and when you visit it for the first time you're just like what yeah 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 totally <laughs> Just those those rolling dunes and like so much sand. It yeah. feels like you're in the desert. Like it could be the Middle East, it could be Egypt or I don't know Morocco or Jordan or anywhere. Yeah, it's really surprising how many people have no idea that it's there. I always tell people like I'm like when they come to New Zealand, like you got to go check it out. Like it's it's worth the trip. Yeah. It's so so sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one of my favorite. And then um, kind of like all in sort of the Central North Island is like another favorite. I love all that like geothermal just like the all the landscape there and mm-hmm. that sort of yeah it's very like misty and like moody all the time always love the south island I'm, I'm dreaming of like moving to twizzle one mm-hmm. day that's my yeah oh that's amazing <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I, I imagine the south island is full of incredible spots as well and especially those braided rivers make for some beautiful drone shots from above yeah yeah it's yeah super cool yeah nature's pretty mind-blowing yeah yeah, absolutely. Tell me a little bit more about Rotorua and the sort of central North Island. Tell me a bit about those different landscapes that you've sort of shot in those regions because I feel like with geothermal stuff, you do get a lot of different colours and a lot of different, I don't know, it's it's all so, I want to say unnatural in nature, but it's just, it's, it's different. The colours that you kind of get with geothermal things are not your sort of standard ocean or forest or... <laughs> Yeah, they're quite they're quite unique, right? Because they can be very vibrant and almost like like emeralds and and like uh like jewels or something. And then, but then you also have like that complete opposite end of the scale where it's just like mud, like really like almost gray scale. I I originally like I went there. We would go there quite a lot for just like road trips, and I always just loved it. And then um, recently we were staying there for kind of about a month. Uh, start of the year shooting around there so yeah it's the mix of that and then just like because there's so many lakes and hills like it seems to always have this like amazing sort of like mist if you're up early and stuff uh, and it's like it's quite like magical because mm. the steam's just all coming out of the ground isn't it like especially sort of autumn and winter that mist just sort of sits in the air for a little bit longer yeah, actually, that's probably why it's so misty, right? Is because there's so much geothermal activity that it's like the ground is so hot, even in like the parts where it's the pools aren't there. Yeah, it's mind blowing. I love it. <laughs> I can tell you all sorts of things about it, but <laughs> yeah, go for it. Tell me about some of the sort of specific locations that you have enjoyed shooting out there. And yeah, I guess tips for listeners and how they can get there and experience it, even if it's not through the eyes of a drone. Yeah, um, we were based like in uh, Lake Tarawera, so we spent a lot of time there this this time around. But then it's really good as well because you're so centralized that you can sort of drive an hour and be in somewhere else really cool. But um, one of the places that I went to was this, it's actually like a, you can go to the mud pools there. It's called Hell's Gate. And I, I just talked to the guy who runs it and he's like, he's a real cool guy and he's, uh, he's into photography as well. And he's like always down to let photographers come. So um, it was super cool because he would come, I think at that time, I think I met him, I'd meet him there at like 5.30 in the morning. We did it twice because the first time it was uh, the, it was like so cloudy that you couldn't see the sun. But that was like, like super sick because it was just 
like free reign to sort of fly around everywhere in there and it's just so steamy yeah and like it's huge too I think it's like maybe like 5k's but it's a uh, private yeah so that was that one was really cool and then I'm really into the forests around there just the forestry forest so that we would drive out towards kind of going almost towards Te Uruwera but there's there's this place and it's it's called Kaingaroa Forest and it's basically just like an old forestry town that has kind of like the industry's not there anymore so it's almost like an abandoned town like it's got quite like a like spooky vibe to it but there's all these yeah forests. is that sort of past Murupa like into Te Uruwera or it's before Murupa yeah it's um okay there's yeah. like a sign for it and it's like Kaingaroa Forest like but it's just this like off-road and if you turn down there you can just like there'll be all these random like forestry roads but public ones that you can just drive off and then they they will like link up to other ones so you can like just spend like hours just driving around all these roads inside the forest wow wow that's epic yeah that was one of my favorite places um the last time we were there I think we went back there maybe like four or five times that's so cool Speaking about Hell's Gate, I, I visited there as well and it's it's so cool. They've got that little like mud volcano, don't they, which is pretty epic. And I love the mud pools. Like I could sit for hours and just watch bubbling mud. Like people think I'm crazy when I say this, but that's like one of my favorite things about Rotorua. <laughs> like I know there's there's all this um there's all this other beautiful stuff, but it's just the mud pools. Like that's the highlight for me. Yeah, but is Hell's Gate? Yeah, I think it is at Hell's Gate, or it might be on the road to Waiotapu. There's a little like dock reserve on the left, and it's like totally free, and like you don't have to pay to go in or anything. There's just a little track. I could just sit there for hours. I go there every time I'm in Rotorua just to watch and hear the the mud bubbling they're quite like mesmerizing eh? it is it really is and because it's like random as well and you have no idea where the next little like spit is going to come from um and some of them will be like real consistent like bubbling and then just die out and then somewhere else like it's just it's just ever changing um and it's just I don't know I sound crazy the way I'm passionate about bubbling mud but it is it is so cool (laughs) I can totally understand you I can understand this for sure it's like there's something like it's just like crazy to think eh, that it's boiling underneath there and that's I always I'm every time I'm there I'm like it must be real weird like imagine if you woke up and there's a geyser in the back of your house yeah and it happens happens. yeah it does happen yeah (laughs) Oh, it's crazy. One of my other favorite geothermal spots is Waiotapu, which is another sort of private place that you've got to pay to go in. I'm not sure if you've been there, but they've got that champagne pool, which is like this bright orange around the edge and then like this deep blue in the middle. Oh, yes. Yeah. Have you have you shot there at all? I have. I shot there like a few years ago. Mm. I actually, one of my first, I think actually it was my first ever commercial job was shooting all of those places for a restaurant oh, down there. Epic. Yeah, so it was like the first ever job I did. Um, but yeah, that one, that one's like kind of like something out of like it could be in America or something. Those, that way it's happy one. Mm. Yeah, it gives us kind of like Yellowstone vibes. When we went there, this is a tip for anyone listening, but because it was winter and because it's so steamy, we couldn't actually see any of the colors. Like it was just steam, like coming off the lake and we sort of had to wait till like mid-morning or like 
midday when the sun had sort of burned off some of the steam and we could actually see the colors but it was a little disappointing when we got there and we're like we can't see anything (laughs) and you couldn't like see how big it was or how deep it went or anything because it was just like entirely just steam coming off this thing which was still really cool to experience but I feel like it would be completely different in summer and in winter just because of your your temperatures outside are just different yeah it really changes the whole look of the landscape right depending on the temperature yeah yeah absolutely one of the reasons I don't have a drone is because of all the sort of restrictions in New Zealand around flying we've talked about it over the years and I'm just like maybe if I go overseas but I feel like there's just a lot of rules whether it's on dockland or it's I don't know in private places do you want to sort of break down what those rules are and how people can sort of fly responsibly I suppose in New Zealand yeah, 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 for sure. It's a funny one because it's actually quite it's quite hard like to to find the correct information if you don't know where to look, which I think I've I would like it really like bugs me because I'm like if they should really make it easier, you know? Like because of this exact thing, what you're saying is that it's like you don't know. Uh so like obviously there's the sort of the public rules that people most people that get drones kind of know, which is like, you know, if you're flying, don't fly within four kilometers of the aerodrome unless you're flying it sheltered. That's one way to do it. But for anyone that doesn't know, that's like flying below the height of something that's between you and the aerodrome mm-hmm. within 100 meters. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing you can do. But also for things like dock, you can apply for like a permit to fly in places there's a lot of places that is really hard to get permits for but the last time I did some stuff with them it was surprisingly faster than I thought it was gonna be like it they used to take quite a long time to process them so you can do that like we we went to the South Island last year and I did I applied for permits for like all around the South Island just because dock kind of like is like most of the South Island is dock land yeah private property is like good like you just have to talk you know just talk to the people who get it who own the property it's like it's all really up to whether they're gonna be not a dick pretty much um but um I've got my like 101 like CAA 101 and then my 102 ground and my 102 and I work like 102 like under like a company sometimes technically like you need to have your CAA 101 certificate to be able to fly within the aerodrome if you have that you can like you can actually call them up but like you can use the airshare just if if it's like a manned one but if it's not you sort of either write an email or you call them up you need to have like verbal a verbal agreement and then tell them when you're flying things like that there's a lot more places than people think like we actually have pretty chill rules compared to like a lot of other countries with some things but then some things is like so like in the states for instance if you do like the equivalent to what I have, you can technically fly over anyone's property because the FAA owns the airspace. Whereas here, like, yeah, it's which is like, which would make life like a lot easier. <laughs> you know, if you didn't have to ask every single house, but, but then it's like, say you have your full 102, um, you can have a special, like, forget the word, but like a special sort of written thing within your 102 rules that like allow you to fly over private land without consent and like over roads and things like that. So I, I would say like if you're getting really into it, like doing that 101 course is worth it. That's so cool. I don't even know that you could do courses in this. So that's super interesting. That's what I mean though, is that they don't really like, it's not very really publicized. So it's yeah. quite hard for people to understand. Yeah. 
Tell me a bit more about the doc process because I imagine that will be the one that people would be most interested in. Like I suppose if you're not doing it commercially, if you just want to sort of casually pop a drone up somewhere, how easy is it to get that doc permit? Okay, so it's not very like easy really. It's like it's, it's easy in some respects, but it's kind of like yeah. really outdated system. But basically you go onto the doc website if you you have to do a bit of a search like to find it because it's buried but there'll be like a sort of um somewhere in the website there's a thing that's like drone like uh, you want to fly a drone okay you get the permits and then you get like a whole lot of paperwork uh they have like a, a sort of like a google map type thing that shows you the areas and then you kind of like through the process you you note down the the areas that you're applying for and uh, like any specifics like to make it better for yourself more likely to get it you want to like sort of note down things like that you'll land the aircraft immediately like if you're disrupting birds or if people you know there's people that aren't that don't like it or something like just be as I guess like as submissive to like the fact that you're gonna have to land it if something mm-hmm. goes wrong and they're more likely to give you the permit, permit but yeah it's it costs money as well that's the other thing is it costs I think it's like $80 per permit for like different regions mm. um so yeah specific yeah. every region you have to do a different one so yeah it can be quite expensive especially if you get if you get denied but the other thing is if you do want to do it do it like give yourself like um, do it a month in advance because okay. you don't know like how long it's going to take for them to get back to you on it right no that's all really good advice and I'm sure that will help some people that are interested in flying and doing that responsibly. It really does tick me off when I see photos posted across social media of people flying drones in areas where you're either not allowed or even I've been on the road and there's like clearly a sign that says no drones and then someone's just popping up. Yeah yeah it's a funny it's quite a funny one because it's like I totally like, I know what you mean and stuff but then at, at the same time it's like um I've been working I've worked on jobs before where we have all of those permits to do it and people will come up and be like you can't fly your drone here you know like start going up mm. and it's like actually I can like um, there's a lot of people that can because they have special things to do it mm. and I feel like that's one of the biggest things with drone photography yeah. is like the confrontations that yeah it's a very confrontational thing I, I had a I had a thing recently where I was doing a job and um, a lady started like screaming in my face like non-stop for like 10 minutes wow, that's like, crazy. it was it was insane I was like I never ever like ever would have thought that becoming a drone photographer would be such a confrontational thing but yeah it's kind of like a it's obviously you can tell sometimes that people just find the drone like in places where they shouldn't for sure um yeah it's a weird one it's very strange mm. Well, that, that's a good reminder to me. Maybe I'll gently tap them on the shoulder and say, "Have you got? Have you got? Yeah, have, you yeah. Got yeah. have you got your your permit?" <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's that's awesome. Thanks for sort of walking us through that process no and sharing what those things are. And yeah, I guess shedding light on it. Maybe Doc can have a listen to this episode and make it a bit more clearer on what their actual rules are. <laughs> make it easier. I would love. I would love it. I've. I've... I've put it in my feedback on their website. Oh, I love that. really need to update the system. I love that so yeah. much. Well, when it changes, we'll know it's all all down to you and your feedback. <laughs> <laughs> One day. How many drones have you crashed? That's that's a question that I wanted to ask. <laughs> I have crashed. Let me see. I've ridden off two drones, but I've crashed, I think, about 
seven times okay yeah the yeah yeah what was what was the most like gutting crash well the most like I'd say more like the most the kind of funniest of them all was recently I had like the FPV drone mm-hmm. and we were down in Polaga Bay and um, I was flying the FPV and I was showing one of my friends and I was saying to him I was like oh I've kind of I've kind of accepted the fact that I'll probably lose this drone at some point and then it was literally about a minute later I flew it down and like straight into the ocean <laughs> Yeah, we spent like an hour looking for it and we're about to give up. Oh. And then, yeah, it was like sitting in the sand, but it was it's completely corroded. So that was the best one. I did a pretty good crash on a job where like I had to fly it from a boat, like a sailboat. And so like I would launch it from my hand and then um I went to launch it. And like as soon as it went out, the uh, like left my hand, it was like I could feel the whole boat just like sort of like move sideways. And it just went straight into like the middle wires and like it was really lucky though it like hit the wire and just sort of like spun around it and then smashed down into the boat oh, not into the water so that like, it was good um but yeah, that, yeah. Went, that like completely broke the gimbal and stuff so that was a good one. Oh, that's cool yeah you've mentioned some of the companies that you've partnered with and you've you've done heaps of campaigns but um tell us about the one that was the most fun for you to shoot oh the most fun okay one of my all-time favorites has been um it's not in New Zealand though that's but... all right <laughs> <laughs> it's um uh, so I was doing like uh, these jobs with Ford Australia awesome and um I'd basically just go there and they would give me a car and then um I could just do whatever I want just go on like a trip and take photos of the car the last one I did we went from picked in the car up from Adelaide uh, me and my friend and then we drove through like the sort of outback of South Australia to Kupapiti, which I don't know if you know that place, but it's it's like a town that's completely built underground. Wow. No, I haven't heard of it. That yeah. sounds insane. Yeah, it's, it is insane. It's like because it gets so hot there. It's like a it's a it's the opal mining capital of the world. Okay. Um and yeah, wow. everyone lives underground. So like our hotel is like built into the side of like a cliff thing. Yeah. And then you're yeah. like fully underground. But that was um I just love those trips because it's like free reign to just do whatever you want. And like we would get in some crazy situations. Like we got the truck stuck in um, the middle of, I thought because like, this is like, this is really, this is pretty funny, but like, I thought that like, because the truck's four wheel drive, it's like, you can just drive it four wheel drive. Like I had no idea you have to like press a button. And so we're like, oh, we'll drive down this road. And it was getting to sunset. We we're like planning to get to this beach to sunset started driving down this like super sandy road and like the truck just like sunk into the sand and like we had like one bar of service and we were like trying to get it out for ages I was like what do you do like this and then the sun started to set and like we managed to get hold of one of like this local tow truck guy from the closest town and uh, we were kind of like it was me and Marie that same girl and so we were kind of like oh like this could end up like some like wolf creek sort of thing you know but <laughs> this, this could be like not a good situation but he turned out to be this really nice guy and um he got there and he was like trying to winch us out winch the truck out and then um he was like oh no you're gonna have to dig in the sand and we're, we're like are there snakes here because we're from New Zealand like we're literally like, kind of, like <laughs> yeah, on our yeah, hands yeah. and knees in the dark like digging out this thing out this truck but yeah it was like we had a, quite a lot of situations like that and that was definitely one of the funnest ones we just like going to these amazing salt lakes 
driving like we'd just find sort of back roads and like drive down these back roads and you'd be like in the like in between these salt lakes that you could I don't know, they're probably like 20 kilometers wide some of them and just like blood red water super cool. wow that's epic I feel like those are probably the best jobs where you're just given creative freedom to sort of do what you want and your creative energy can just sort of it's the only limits of your imagination aren't they at that point yeah 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 I think I think that's where you make your best work is when is um when you're just like having fun yeah absolutely I, I would for myself at least I always feel like that's like the best work is the work that is yeah. just for myself well do you have any sort of tips and tricks for people that want to sort of start to get into drone photography any advice if this is day zero the start of their journey yeah I mean I think like the the main thing I would say is just have fun also um obviously like <laughs> don't do anything stupid with your drone it's all like learn the like basic rules just for yourself as well because avoid confrontations and um you know if you know the rules you can you can like shut people down if they're trying to uh, harass you but um <laughs> yeah, just enjoy yourself really it's yeah. quite like a it can be like a little bit nerve-wracking at first when you find them it's like quite like intimidating but they're actually like amazingly like they can just fly themselves you know if you're, mm. if you're freaking out just mm. don't touch the controls and it's just gonna sit there so just practice wow. it's a lot of this is crazy i've actually i've never flown a drone so i think you should i'll have to listen back to this episode when i when i'm ready to do I that i think you should get one for sure <laughs> it's i would like highly yeah. recommend it yeah it's a great thing where do you think people should start in terms of gear because that's that's probably a question that you get asked a lot as well uh yeah i, I um i think like or any of the dgi drones are, like super good they're all um really like user-friendly and the quality is like insane they just keep releasing new ones but even um if you wanted something smaller, you know, if it's not really for commercial, but just for taking photos, the Mavic Minis are like a really good one. They're not too expensive as well. And they shoot, I think they shoot 4K video, high-res high raw images and stuff. So yeah, I'd say those are really good or just the Mavics. Like the Mavics are, Mavics are pretty classic drone. Um, there's a new one that just came out that looks, it's got three cameras on it. So <laughs> there we go. Honestly, I haven't like looked at drones for probably about three three years or so. So they've probably come a long way since I was last looking at, I don't know, Mavic 1 or 2 or whatever it was back then. <laughs> the, the the original drone I had then, uh, I had a, I had an old Phantom, but the original Mavic that I had was the Mavic 1. And um, now when I look at like the, the images from that or the, the video especially, like the video is like, it's like looks like video that you would have shot on like a like a um the old cell phones like before iPhones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's yeah. so bad, <laughs> but at the time it was like amazing. Yeah, no, that's that's crazy the way that um technology's just developed. Yeah. What's coming up next for you? Do you have dream destination, whether it's in Aotearoa or overseas? Do you have a bucket list shot that you're you're sort of working towards? My original plan was to go back to Hong Kong. But I think I really would like to go back to Japan now. Like I, mm-hmm. um, I think that's my next sort of overseas trip. I I like to just travel around Japan for like a couple of months. I was actually just looking at doing like maybe like they have artist residencies there. So I was thinking maybe of applying for one of those to just do like a photography thing for three months. Oh, cool. Yeah, but I think just like I I love Asia. I would just go kind of go around China and stuff. I think that would be cool. 
yeah, the landscapes are like mind blowing. So yeah, Japan, that's probably my next big thing. Yeah, epic. Well, where can people find you on socials? Where can they check out some of your work, whether it's travel or tennis courts or all of it? Yeah, I my main sort of social I use is my Instagram, which is just Petra Larry on at, at Petra Larry. That's my most like up to date. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. I'll pop a link in the description and send everyone awesome. there. I love talking to photographers and it is a little bit hard when this is like an audio podcast and I'm like, you have to go actually look at their work. <laughs> yeah, for sure, yeah. You've got to look at it as well. You've got to have both of these together. <laughs> but yeah, definitely go check that out. And thank you so much for sharing all of your insight from all your years of experience with drone photography. I am, I think I'm going to see Rotorua with new eyes now as well it was awesome to hear about your experience there and all of the different landscapes yeah that got oh. going for them oh thank you so much for the invitation to be on the podcast it's super cool awesome to talk to you with drone photography becoming a lot more mainstream, especially in the travel world, it was awesome to hear from Petra about her journey, as well as some of her advice for beginners. If you're wanting to fly in New Zealand, make sure you do this the right way, and Petra has all the inside knowledge on permits and what the rules are. I can't wait to fly a drone one day and see the world from that bird's eye view perspective. Thank you so much for tuning in and coming along for the ride. If you love the show and enjoyed listening, please take the time to leave a review on Apple or Spotify. I would also love to connect with you, so send me a DM on Instagram or leave me a voice message, and I can't wait to see you next time. Until then, keep adventuring.